0: Do you remember the first time that you heard the story of the Tower of Babel? Maybe you were in church and you heard it as a children's story. Hi, my name is Henry. Welcome to the Skeptic Disciple podcast. Today, we will be discussing the story of the Tower of Babel found in Genesis chapters 10 and 11. Thank you for joining us on this journey. So what's your what's your reaction to the story? I what's, think it's a cool your... story. It's funny, yeah. like, like
1: it's it's almost, it's not it's not quite almost as out there as the Noah story, but for some reason, this one doesn't bother me, because it's not really saying anything about God or his people that's really negative or troublesome to my soul. It's more this story that's trying to explain why we have what we have in terms of culture and language. It's somewhat oddly poetic. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't take huge issue with it. I don't see it as the literal explanation of why we have different languages and cultures, but I, I find it fascinating nonetheless.
0: Yeah, so we're in Genesis chapter 11 um, and a little bit of chapter 10. So we just, uh, we just had the story of Noah and the flood, and then chapter 10 of Genesis has basically a little bit of a genealogy Uh, more like explaining where different people came from and where they went after the flood. The descendants of this person went this way, descendants of this person went that way. And I think, yeah, Genesis 10, verse 8, talks about a person named Nimrod. And it says, he was the first on earth to become a mighty warrior. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. It's a, some sort of saying that they had. And uh, the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. So, yeah, that was like the beginning of his kingdom with this, this warrior uh, person. And they placed the kingdom of Babel in what they call the land of Shinar, which basically is an ancient name for the, the region where Iraq Iran is currently located. So we have Nimrod, which you mentioned, calls for the construction of of Babel, correct? Yes. But then we don't have the story of Babel to the next chapter, because it just kind of mentions Nimrod in passing, and then it just continues talking about all of these descendants and basically how they descended from Noah. Now, in chapter 11, it says, uh, verse 1 says, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. As, and as they migrated from the east, they came upon a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we shall be scattered abroad. Broad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which mortals had built. And the Lord said, Look, they are one people and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language there so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, it was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. And that's basically the story. Yeah. Um, It's a short one. It's a really short story with a really kind of... uh, Epic result, an epic result. Yeah, it's like it's like a paragraph talking about yeah. this is how we got all the languages on Earth, and yeah, they kind of left off building the city. The way I thought of it was interesting because, okay, let's let's leave a, let's leave aside the whole language thing. Nimrod in chapter ten is said to be uh, become. He was the first on Earth to become a mighty warrior. Uh, up until this point, we have no mention of war in the bible mm-hmm. like nimrod is like the first the first person to do this and not only that but then he as a warrior began to basically form a kingdom And the kingdom was Babel. And part of building a a kingdom wasn't just like gathering power, but for him was like let's let's build a city so that we don't get scattered abroad, so that we're all together here and we're working. And the kind of like the main thing was we want to build a city and we want to build a tower in the city that reaches to the heavens. Again, this is the first time not only that they mention war, but it's also the first time that they mention cities
1: Uh
0: and and bricks and bricks. And construction work, well, I mean, we talk about constructing an arc, but but basically like more or less, they start becoming like what we consider to be a civilization.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they start to amass power and wealth and build a skyscraper essentially, yeah. which it seems like every major city has. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's a symbol of power and wealth and society and civilization uh-huh. anywhere you go and then so god sees this and he's like um look check it out these guys are all hanging out together they're all like they're all coming to agreement on what they want to do and they all speak the same language so if we let this happen uh, nothing will it be impossible for them to do so let's go down there and confuse their language right and so I get this this kind of perspective that God looks down on the building of this city and he deems it as something that shouldn't happen. Uh-huh. We need to stop this from happening. So he he goes down there and interrupts uh, by confusing their languages. I think that's odd because we have cities all over the, the earth
1: now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, much like, much taller than the one they were capable of building i'm sure
0: yeah so like is god against cities or living in cities like is is that i don't know if you got that sense when you yeah, read that's, the story
1: yeah that's that's too literal for me i'm more concerned with with that that verse that says if they do this like it it doesn't even seem to me that it's the tower that's offensive to him it's what they can do after it's like if they manage to do this, they can do anything, and it, yeah. it's almost—it's almost like like it sounds like he's concerned with what they'll do after. What do you think they would do after? And that's the thing—that's the thing that's unanswered in this book. I'm like, well, what, what, what were they going to do? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> like, they can achieve anything, and normally, like that—that that rhetoric is has a positive connotation in today's world, you know? Yeah. Because so often are we currently talking about bridging gaps between cultures and understanding each other so we can achieve more as a people as as a human race you know yeah that has really positive connotation so
0: and unity to read,
1: to read this and see god say oh man if they're of one accord they can do anything i, b- I better stop that <laughs> it, it sounds funny it sounds really odd you know yeah but I guess in order to understand that, you kind of have to understand. Well, what were these people hoping to achieve? I guess you could say, if if people are of one accord, that's that's great. But with what intent, you know? Because you could say you could say oh, the Axis powers are of one accord, but their intent is obviously very malicious. Um, so that's that should be broken up. But I don't know what Nimrod and
0: his people had in mind. I think we can we can kind of put some pieces together. About uh-huh. Nimrod being a warrior, a mighty warrior. Yeah. yeah. And potentially the intent was to become an empire. Mm-hmm. Like take over other lands and basically become an empire. And and so we have this kind of reaction from God to that type of human intent or huge building project. What I've heard before and I think traditionally it's like, oh, they, they wanted to build a tower that reached the heavens so that God could never, like, kill them by another flood. Because then they can just, you know, go up this tower and it's like safety. And I've heard that. Others have said, yeah. well, they just wanted to reach heavens and be like, we're going to, like, go up where God is and essentially become gods ourselves. Yeah. By doing so. I've heard that, too. Yeah, but I don't see any of that in the story. Well, it does say that... What does it
1: say? They, they wanted to do it so that they would never be scattered. Yeah? Oh. Um, and that takes some interpretation. Because is it, is it a literal scattering, like the scattering of the flood? Um, because I can see that. But I'm trying to understand, logically, how else a tower and a city would prevent another type of scattering. But it, it does seem to be built as a result of fear of some type of quote-unquote
0: scattering you know i never i never thought of it that way
1: yeah it seems to be almost like a preventive measure
0: that's interesting though because if we you know take the noah story in conjunction with this story at the end of noah's story there's a promise that the earth would never be flooded again like that yeah so
1: it's like they clearly don't you know take that with a lot of faith
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so that that's kind of that yeah that's kind of weird i i guess i could see how that that could be a a reaction to or not a reaction but just trying to be safe yeah but then we have to ask like did god scatter these people or these people are just scattering because they you know need land to like feed themselves and their families and and all of their animals yeah like they they kind of spread abroad after the flood to support life essentially they need to support themselves so in building a city you're putting people in a small amount of space but that also requires you to be able to support life in that city which means you have to figure out a way to use the land in a way that gives you it's the most efficient or you take over other lands that have to pay you a certain tax or something so that you can continue living the way you're living right so we have like a, some sort of hierarchical like structure to society. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think the way I see it, I, I think of it that way, and I think it's important to, to look at it that way. I don't think it's maybe the only way, but the reason being that Babel is basically kind of the the beginning of Babylon. Yeah, and so Babylon is a a city that becomes an empire, and the Hebrew people are very much affected by this empire uh, so much so that they, they end up being taken captives into Babylon for quite a long time because in their understanding they fail to follow God's um, laws or God's or keep God's uh, uh, covenant keep the covenant with God they, they break the covenant or the promise of the relationship that they have with God and that's why they end up being taken away as captives into Babylon And not only that but then also Babylon shows up symbolically later on in the New Testament in the book of Revelation. So it's like a symbolic it's a it's an actual place which we have like actual physical, proof of the empire of babylon but it also takes on symbolic meaning throughout the scripture Mm. afterwards and i think that's important to note that the bible decides to include this story of the tower of babel from the very beginning of genesis so i think it it like it has two functions one is to show or to basically explain why we have so so many different languages and two, to introduce to us this idea of this beginning of Babylon that has been with humanity from almost the very beginning.
1: Yeah, I, I think part of me has always seen this story as, and it might be a stretch, but a type of commentary on industry. Not that industrialism itself is evil or bad, but industrialism does have very obvious downfalls pitfalls and you know like you mentioned we talk about babylon a lot in the bible and babylon is always this reference to this giant mechanized like industry that takes advantage and abuse of people and its power run amok essentially yeah you need a giant industrial machine in order to achieve that it is power-based i think this is the first clear sign of it in the bible
0: yeah It is. And you know what's funny? I see God like messing with it. You know what I mean? Like it's happening and God's like, I'm going to mess with this thing. And I feel like throughout history, especially history as it is, as it is recorded in the Bible, you still see this image of God messing with even the imperial Babylon and Mm. using them to, to get his point across or to do the things that need to be done. Hmm. Which is I think it's it's weird because you have something that isn't good and yet God manipulates it sometimes mm-hmm. to to do what needs to be done. And we get this we get this picture of, of a God who will interrupt sometimes these human events or like change their course, even though these empires they essentially consume everything in the, in their paths. Yeah. And Uh, The book of Daniel refers to these empires as beasts or envisions them as as these horrendous beasts that cannot be stopped. Um, So from the very beginning, I see a God like interrupting it and like changing the course of the, you know, the city to the point where it's left unfinished. And they continue, uh, then they, they get, you know, they get spread. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing that came up as we were talking about this. And you were saying, you know, industrialization isn't necessarily bad, but it tends to be.
1: The thing about industrialization is you have to ask why. Like, why are we doing it? You'll find that the answer is never about God. We use him as an excuse a lot. I think, you know, in the U.S., when we're talking about, like, westward expansion and... Louisiana Purchase and the the Gold Rush and all of it. We use like if you look at, at paintings from the 1800s, like there's a lot of imagery of like the angels flying westward with man as they travel to the west and they consume and they build and they pillage and you know they try to whitewash Native Americans and they do it in the name of God. Yeah, for the sake, for the sake of industry because that's what God wants. I don't know where that came from, but we, we would say it a lot. <laughs> but honestly, why, why industrialize so much? And usually the answer is money and land and power. True. It, it's just that simple. Like, there's no other reason to industrialize than that. Like, and if you tell me, well, it's about efficiency, well, like, well, being efficient at what? <laughs> and again, it's about being efficient with money and power. It's like, it doesn't make your salvation more efficient or
0: loving people more efficient. Or
1: et cetera, et cetera.
0: Right. Um, right. I, I think I think you're right. And I think this kind of calls back the what we talked about in our other episode about good and evil and about what we choose to be good and evil for ourselves and yeah. not caring how it affects other people or the environment or you know, just things around us. And it is interesting that they want to make a name for themselves. Yeah. You know, like they want yeah. Yeah, they want to Be like, dude, we did this. Like, we did this thing. We want to be proud of of our own achievements in engineering and whatever else that that they're doing, you know. Um, But then also what's interesting is that Abraham is introduced in this same chapter following the story of the Tower of Babel. Uh And God rejects this system that they are creating and then he he finds abram because it was before his name is changed to abram abraham so he finds abram and he and he promises to make a nation out of him and i think that's interesting because god finds abram and he says i will make you a great nation and i will bless you and make your name you make your name great so that you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And that's chapter 12. It's like the very beginning of chapter 12. So I get kind of like this opposite type of thing, you know? Like you see people, Nimrod and whoever he's leading to build a city, they're trying to make a name for themselves. God rejects that plan. And instead goes and finds Abram, and he says, I will make you a nation, and I will make your name great. And That's interesting, yeah. A, and the purpose is so that you will be a blessing to all of the families of the earth. So mm. I think if we put those together, we can uh, deduce that that the Babel system was not a blessing to all of the people of the earth, mm. but rather was more of a curse. mm and instead of humanity trying to make a name for themselves, it's God who chooses to make a name out of a specific type of person. In this case, right. Abram. Right. Uh, that's and an interesting
1: contrast, yeah.
0: Yeah, that, that's I, the way I was looking for, a contrast. I couldn't think I, of it. I don't know why.
1: I've, I've never thought of that before, but that makes a lot of sense to me. Because really then the question becomes about, what defines a good nation, and that's that's really the crux of the
0: story, then. Right, because it it goes back to what you said: how this isn't necessarily bad; it's the intent that's bad. Yeah, and that's what
1: what are we building, and why?
0: Exactly, and then eventually, you know, after God makes a nation uh, out of Abram, we have Israel, and we have a city, Jerusalem, which is built in in the Old Testament and eventually even they fail at keeping the covenant that they made with God and then they get exiled into Babylon. Mm. Eventually they come back and, you know, God is gracious to them and they come back and they rebuild. But in the New Testament, we don't have a city anymore uh, on earth that is meant to be, you know, Basically, Jerusalem is not what it used to be. But in Revelation, we have the city of God, and we have reference to a new Jerusalem. And so, like you said, the whole idea of a city isn't necessarily bad. It's the intent behind it and what drives it. And somehow God has an alternative, and that plan is set into motion here on earth throughout the Old Testament, that eventually fails because hum- humanity isn't able to to you know keep that relationship with God. And so they corrupt this plan. But eventually God will establish this new Jerusalem, which is talked about in, in Revelation. Mm,
1: that's fascinating. I read commentary on the tower. And oh, yeah. it, was, it was talking about, let's say that these people built this tower to get to, to heaven. Yes, yes, it says yeah. heaven. You have to remember that cosmology back then was very different. They didn't understand the physical aspects of the universe. So we kind of have to talk about like what do they mean when they said heaven? But yeah. regardless, they, they make it tall <laughs> and and they want to go way up and get yeah. close to God. Yeah. And like you said, be like God. It it's interesting because this commentator was saying, you know, there's there's an irony here, because in trying to construct something to get closer to god you have to to destroy a lot just to build the material you really have to like work people to the bone to make this thing right it's it's a huge endeavor and just just the process itself is ignoring the obvious it's already in front of you every every good thing on the land is already a testament to the creator and tearing it down to create more brick and to work people and have mules push brick after brick up with you you're kind of desecrating some of it along the way, and there's just this this irony, you know, and yeah. this, this sort of progress, as some would call it. And I thought that was interesting. And he made this argument because he said, if it was really about trying to avoid a flood, why build a tower? Why not build a boat again? Because they know that works. <laughs> just just make more boats. Like true, that, that was a proven method. But no, they chose a tower. Like, yeah, they intentionally chose a tower. So the tower is almost defiant in a way it's like no we're gonna make something and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make it better and it's gonna stand here it's not gonna float it's not gonna go anywhere we're gonna stay put and not only that but we're gonna go to heaven
0: yeah i think it's 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 such an ancient story that kind of carries something that we still see today which is our desire to like show off our prowess and influence and wealth and authority yeah right yeah so Tower of Babel, some people believe, was more of a ziggurat-type looking thing. Uh Uh-huh. It's like in the location in in Shinar or Babylon where these were commonly found, and most cities uh, had one. It's believed that at the top of the ziggurat was a shrine to a god, and... If I'm not wrong, I, I was I was reading about the ancient city or the ancient like ruins of Babylon and the ziggurat of Babylon that was dedicated to a moon god. And so mm. there's a there's a shrine at the very top, and uh, it's it's a symbol of connection between heaven and earth to them, a connection between mm-hmm. God and humanity. And it was the biggest, tallest thing in their city. What's interesting about that is that it seems like most ancient like imperial cultures had some sort of tower looking thing that connected heaven and earth and it was associated with deities and power so we have the ziggurat and we have for example we have uh, the pyramids in uh, ancient Egypt and we have even pyramid like structures in in Latin America yeah that have the same sort of function and so it's like i think it is something that we just as as humans i think we just gravitate to, towards that type of that type of thing even if currently it's not so much associated with a god it's still associated with power and authority
1: yeah it's interesting how most cultures just gravitate toward similar construction projects right
0: yeah yeah, in fact, I think there's one uh there's there's a a pyramid in Egypt that's been really like messed up beat up and like just it's is eroded quite a bit to reveal sort of a core and the core looks very much like a ziggurat. Mm. So that the pyramid is more of an improvement upon the ziggurat structure. It's kind of trippy, but uh, but some commentators have contrasted the function of a ziggurat and, and the idea that this was like a gate towards uh, the gods. And I think if you if you Google Babel, you don't get the definition that's, um, it's not really a definition, but Genesis 11, 9 says, Therefore it was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. That's the way, that's how the Bible defines Babel and Babylon, like confusion. But uh, Babel is more like, a, I believe it's gate, a gate to the gods, I think, um, or a gate to the heavens. Mm. And it's believed to be an opening towards the realm of the gods. And some commentators have contrasted that story with the story of Jacob and Jacob's ladder, which is later on in Genesis, uh, where Jacob, he's running away from home because he's afraid that his brother is going to come out and kill him. After he tricks yeah. his dad and everything. Anyway, he's he's on a run and he he spends the night out in the wilderness someplace. And the Bible says he falls asleep upon a rock. And he has a dream where he sees a ladder that stretches all the way to the heavens. And on the ladder, he sees angels coming and going from heaven. And uh, he wakes up and... Basically makes a, an altar there and he worships God because you know he's 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 seen the gate to to the gods or uh, the gate to the heavens, uh-huh. um, and it's like kind of a, a direct reference to this type of understanding that the ziggurat was a gate towards the heavenly realms where the gods lived, hmm. and that there is a connection with God that happens in this place. Except that when we have the this God or the hebrew god there isn't necessarily a ziggurat but rather a vision yeah and you can't help but wonder but wonder like is this influenced by you know what they had seen what they understood what they had known about cities and and how things work in the ancient times and now are simply applying it to their belief in god and maybe that's how they, the dream came about or god is just you know trying to speak to people in a language that they that they understand so uh-huh i thought that was interesting because it's basically saying like there is a there is a bad way of thinking of this type of structure or this type of civilization and there is a an alternative that is godly yeah and i think people are again given a choice of choosing one over the other and throughout. You know, ancient Israel's history, we have kind of a consistent failure to choose the good, to choose what what is good or what God wants or envisions for this city, and instead continue to fall back into what this type of Babylon is.
1: Hmm.
0: And so, again, we're presented the, the choice between good and evil constantly.
1: Yeah, this goes back to
0: the uh, the fruit. Yeah, essentially, this about just, in creation. Yeah, essentially, this is this is still happening now. Uh, another interesting thing I found was, have you heard of the Proto-Indo-European language? No. So, linguists believe that all languages did originate from one, just a single language.
1: Okay, I've heard that.
0: And they call it the Proto-Indo-European language. From which everything branches off and they've actually charted it and and uh you can find like diagrams and stuff. So I'm gonna post some yeah. of these on our Instagram so people can see.
1: I've seen that, but there's a huge issue with it, and it doesn't explain one of the Native American languages. Or I think a couple. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So so I mean it's definitely a theory that's been around for a while, and it's it's just kind of a, a curious thing to to think about. And basically what they've done is they've looked at all the languages and they've kind of tracked similarities between them. Uh, so, for example, an easy thing that we can think of right now is like all the languages that derive from Latin. Uh-huh. And so, you know, we have Spanish and, and French and, you know, all the Portuguese, Italian, uh, that all have like similar word roots and things like that. So basically what they did is they just they just kind of took that kind of comparison and mm-hmm. went as far back as they could and then they basically kind of did some guesswork as to you know, educated guesses as to what was more related than than others. And so like you said, there's there's certain languages that are not included because we mm-hmm. couldn't we just couldn't make sense of it. Or mm-hmm. <laughs> we couldn't we didn't know where to place them. Um, but also what's interesting is I found that these linguists have actually try to recreate this proto-Indo-European language and you can listen to it if you want. Um, but I just I just brought that up because the Tower of Babel isn't the only story that seems to try to explain the origin of languages. We had really ancient stories that are sort of contemporary with you know ancient Israel where we had the same type of thing where languages are being confused and people are scattered abroad because of it. So I think there must be some sort of truth to it especially if we believe that uh, we all came from just two human beings so If
1: you think about it logically I mean it, it kind of makes sense to have a singular language in the beginning
0: Yeah and is that the language God speaks? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just it's it's trippy. It's just it's weird. Um the other thing is, you know, language is so important uh, in for God, it seems language is so important. Like, God just speaks a word and creates things, and he makes things happen by his word, you know. And, and mm-hmm. even Christianity and Judaism is a religion that is very influenced by the written word. And Jesus calls himself, you know, like, you know, like in uh, John chapter one, defines Jesus as being the word of God. Mm hmm. And then we have this, you know, very like supernatural event in the book of Acts where God comes and gives people the gift of tongues, which means that they can now speak all of these different languages.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's almost like he's reversing whatever happened here at the Tower of Babel.
1: Yeah.
0: To yeah, those are
1: yeah. Those are really interesting parallels, right? Yeah.
0: It's like... it's like what's happening? And like the purpose now is to build the kingdom of god yeah so like i feel like god is basically we see him working throughout this time to basically to to have this alternative kingdom alternative city happen where god is in the midst of it Mm. and all people understand each other and there is unity not like the unity that is forced upon a people but rather a unity that comes from God himself. And I think that's what that's what Jesus said, meant when he said, you know, the kingdom has come near. Mm. And then you see all these good things happen. That's what God's kingdom is like. You see people being healed and, and restored and, and, and redeemed and life is given. That is the kingdom of God. That's what it looks like when God is I
1: agree here. with that. It's a nation that values and upholds creation rather than sees then i don't know seeing it as something to be overcome and subjected to whatever we think it needs to be subjected to
0: yeah and then and then you know we are citizens of the the of, of heaven how uh paul says it and as citizens of heaven we then have to live like citizens of this kingdom that is not like the kingdom of men it's It's a kingdom that Jesus came to establish. Mm. And we have references to kingdom of heaven, a kingdom of God. And it's not something that we're waiting for to happen in the future. It's something that we begin to enact here on earth now, according to Jesus. And I can't see any other reason why he would, again, teach his disciples to pray, you know, let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah that's the purpose that that's how impactful i think that babel and babylon are to the biblical narrative because i would say it's the exact opposite of what god wants for humanity
1: yeah i think it's uh, no that's a good question to ask ourselves i think when we take on almost any kind of project it's like why am i why am i building this why am i creating this is it simply because i can or is there something more more worthwhile here
0: Yeah, I think that's an important question to ask. Am I doing this as a citizen of heaven or am I doing this as a citizen of earth? Of, maybe not earth, but you know what I mean. Like, am I doing it as a citizen of the city of God or am I doing this as as a citizen of a city of men?
1: I do think the ability to create anything, just the ability to create or be creative is one of the most God-like gifts we've been given. I believe it is still how we're most like him in several ways. And so it's... It's, it's really interesting to see what we do with that, you know?
0: Yeah, the, the, the theme continues. What do we do with what God has given us?
1: Yeah. So, you know, g- going back to Noah, it's kind of like, like, I imagine him looking down on the earth and being like, what did you make? What is this? Where is my creation? And now, it's, you know, you have Nimrod and you have the city and you have Babel. And it's almost like it's, there's a new creation, but it's, it's still this act of defiance or whatever i almost feel like like this whole um story with the scattering of words is almost just to buy abraham time to build up this other nation because eventually even if you scatter all the languages you're still going to get people building a lot of the crap we have today and it's here sure enough but fortunately we also have really good examples of beautiful i think very godly things that people have made yeah um, whether physically or in the arts or music or, or whatever, it's there. You can't say everything we've made is a heap of garbage. There, there's a lot of wonderful things we've made. Industry isn't all bad. I mean, I have to acknowledge the fact that this, this very podcast is only possible because of industry. Right. <laughs> so it's like, okay, what, what are we going to build with what we have And I think it's because of Abraham that we have a chance to, like, see an example of, okay, how do we make really beautiful things?
0: From the story, we get this idea that they leave off building the city and it's incomplete. It's not completed. In the meantime, God finds Abram to make a nation out of him and to create the alternative. Yeah, I think, you know, it's something that I see all the time uh, in technological advances and everything, like, We always start off saying, oh, this is going to be super helpful for humanity. And we're going to be able to do all these things that we weren't able to do before. And eventually we somehow twist it and create something that um, or use it to towards our own destruction.
1: Or to just serve the rich and powerful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the example I'm thinking about right now is like, you know, just the invention of the airplane. Mm -hmm. And it was like such a good intent. And, you know, we just. You know, we're fascinated with being able to fly and imagine what we can do when we can fly. And then we started bombing people with them and using them in war. And it's—I like, mean, that's a, what? that's
1: a very yeah, yeah. It's a concrete example. I'm also mostly thinking of like systems and structures politically and sociologically, because I mean, this is this is currently being debated a lot. We have a lot of social structures in place that benefit certain people in obvious ways and disadvantage others sometimes by income or gender or ethnicity we have a lot of racist structures in place and i would i would tie that in as part of this
0: yeah i think so i mean this is more of a a civilization society type of system that that's being built in babel i don't know that they dealt with the same types of or they they would have called it the same as we call it but definitely we have in ancient history like this, or even in more modern history, this idea that like our people are better than yours. Yeah. And so we justify killing and, and oppressing and heavily taxing and using different peoples towards the benefit or of the people who are in power. And I, yeah, I definitely see that happening in any powerful nation or any place on earth, really. And so, I mean, that's why it's so opposed like when we when we say like these things are wrong we want to do differently i feel like this is the spirit of babylon or babel that that is that we have that is just like so viscerally opposes yeah the changes that would need to happen in order for people to to have their freedom or have the same advantages as everyone else and i think it's i think it's a tricky thing when we try to do it also without thinking about, I feel like humanly, even when we try to fix things, we break things. Sure. And I just, it's, it's funny, I was just, I just watched uh, Hamilton uh-huh. <laughs> the other day and it's great. And it tells, you know, the story of, of Alexander Hamilton, you know, throughout the American Revolution and then the establishment of, you know, the United States and everything and you're looking you're like peering into history and you're seeing how they see themselves being oppressed or overtaxed and you know the underdogs and they decide to revolt to make things right and they miss things like they don't give the same value in terms of like power to women Mm -hmm. you know the the blacks that that even some of them fought in the revolutionary war uh were not given the ability to vote either and many still remained in slavery in, in the American south and then this continued yeah even even some of the founding fathers had slaves yeah and so you wonder when we just try to do this humanly like even when we fight for certain things we still have this ingrained just a tendency to to still Definitely. yeah to continue in just a different form
1: your example is funny too because we do all that in the name of God's nation
0: yeah yeah and <laughs> God yeah. we trust it's on yeah. our money the intent even the intent was, was uh, I think was good uh, but it still doesn't end up in something that is good Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's so radical about Jesus and the kingdom of God. That's what's so different that he seems to not value human governmental type of power or political power. He is establishing a kingdom that is not established through force or violence. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds ridiculous. How is that gonna do anything? And it it, it just it doesn't make any sense because we don't we're not like it's almost like we're not wired that way. Like we're wired to react and to fight and to to kill even when we are killing to gain freedom. Like we, we end up doing and continuing to perpetuate like these cycles of injustice even in our system. Yeah and It's the point where it's like, I don't, I don't know. It's almost, it almost feels hopeless from a human standpoint. And Jesus comes in and he's like, no, there's a different way. There's another way. And it costs him his life. I think that's just a testament to how viscerally we react and oppose this type of kingdom. Mm. Like the city of God is, is hated. And that's why. You know, Babylon again shows up in in Revelation as being the like opposite of the city of God, and yeah. God calls His people to come out of Babylon. I think, yeah, that, yeah, the, the, He calls them out of Babylon, and then Babylon is said to have fallen, and all the merchants of the earth and all the nations of the earth of you know that had dealt with her in terms of economics and finance and you know whatever they they're all mourning the fall of babylon because now they're wondering now who's gonna buy our stuff like mm-hmm. who's gonna buy our our all these things who's gonna buy the gold the all the the wood the fine spices and it even yeah. human lives who's gonna buy these slaves essentially yeah that's good who's it's, gonna it's funny funny
1: it's yeah, you know, it it's funny that you say that that whole call to step out of Babylon, you know? It's it's that call to step out of the tower, you know, the tower of, of Babel. And it sounds when you read it, it sounds easy enough, like you don't even think, Well, I'm not I'm not part of Babylon, that's easy. And you think of everyone who you think is kind of crappy and well, they better step out of it, you know. But the truth is, like if you're really honest with yourself, you would realize you probably are in babylon i'm i'm in babylon a lot of the time and i i benefit from it like this whole social structure that we're commenting on this whole industry like we have to admit we're benefiting from it yeah so when jesus says step out of it you have to realize what he's really asking and just how much you're actually benefiting and it, it almost in everything like you know for everyone who like steps into church with with their expensive suit you have to stop and realize most of your suit was probably made in a sweatshop by people who were pretty oppressed and you bought it at a cheap price so you can show up to church to impress God or impress whoever and it's like that that might seem like a cheap shot but it's it's still you're <laughs> still you're still benefiting from the work of Babylon.
0: You know what's weird about that also? Like, what? okay, like, I understand that. And then, okay, so we say, well, let's let's buy a suit that is not made in a sweatshop. And then it's it's crazy expensive and I can't afford it. Or just don't buy a suit. So then it's like, well, what do I do, you know? And so, <laughs> some of these
1: things... Why are you really wearing a suit? Like, when did God ever ask for a suit? Like... Right.
0: No, but what I'm saying is like, you know, when, when, when we really look at it, a lot of the things that we buy are this is the system that we buy into a lot of it a lot of it a and of uh it. there are alternatives but sometimes yeah. they're so expensive that it's it you can't then you realize I can't afford this without some some people in a sweatshop way across the ocean uh, working and and making this for me right and and the other thought is well maybe you know like we're giving them jobs so like if we stop buying And these companies stop using their services, then they have no jobs. So I'm really supporting them Mm -hmm. in helping them, you know, put food on the table. It's just such a like intertwined, like.
1: Yeah, you're getting into a more meticulous political. Yeah. But but, if I would follow you on that route, it'd be more along the lines of typically people would like boycott a company and say, "Um, I still want to support people in the sweatshops, but I'll only continue buying from you if you improve their working conditions and wages. And sometimes they do. And then you start buying again. Um, but anyway, not to get into that too much. That is an option. <laughs> though. Um, you know, it's, there's other things like how much plastic you buy, you know, yeah. like let's take something less politically charged, how much plastic you buy.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and you can buy like a ton of plastic water bottles and not actually need to, I don't even think it saves a lot of money to do that, but yeah. you could do that at a convenience. Yeah. So like, Well, I don't, I don't give a crap what it does to the environment. That, that's another scenario where you have to ask yourself, okay, like, what about the kingdom? However you want to see that. Of course. Like, like, what am I doing to it? Where, where, where am I living and what am I benefiting from?
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that's, that's well stated. Yeah. I, I you know, it's revelation chapter 18 and just, you know, just so that everybody knows, 18 verse 4 says, Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, so that you do not take part in her sins, and so that you do not share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Talking about, you know, this this Babylon. He's Babylon has fallen. And it's interesting that it mentions the sins of Babylon being heaped high as heaven. It makes you think of the tower. and Basically, you know, it's fallen and all the kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. And they will stand far off in the fear of her torment and say, Alas, the great city, Babylon, the mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn for her. Since no one buys their cargo anymore, cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, scarlet, all things of scented wood, all articles of ivory, uh, bronze, iron, marble, cinnamon, spice. It just goes down uh, all these things that they would buy, and it gets down to cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, slaves and human lives, basically saying this is what results From your Babylon-like actions. And you need to come out of that. And that's a very strong call. But basically what I see is. God is calling us to live in such a way. That we do not take part in these things. And that's easier said than done. Yeah, But I think we're realizing right now. That we cannot support systems that oppress people. That oppress, that, that abuse the earth, abuse animal life, and not, yeah, even to the point of human lives.
1: And and just to be clear, I'm not advocating for living a life off the grid where you go live on a private farm and just live away from society. I mean, if you want to do that and you can do that, I mean, go ahead, but that's not, that's not what I'm trying to advocate for either.
0: yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. And and I think it's important when when you know when we're talking about sweatshops, you said, "No, there's there's a different way where we can influence these companies or we can influence those in power to behave less like this destructive force on earth." Reform. Yeah. Yeah. So, reform is is the tool that we have now, and certainly in in situations where reform is not possible, then then you stop. Yeah. And you look for an alternative, and you live differently. And I think that's that's really the call that I find in the Bible. So I think that concludes our episode. Yeah. Right. I think, yeah. I think we yeah, ran the truck. Over I was
1: expecting it to go, but that was good. Yeah. <laughs> the tower took some twists and turns on the way up.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Where, where, how did you expect this to go?
1: I don't know. I. I expected us to talk about the tower more, but.
0: That's (laughs) funny.
1: The tower can be pretty, yeah, symbolic and still present. So,
0: for sure. For sure. Still is. Thanks again for listening, guys. We appreciate your support. I just want to thank you for hanging in there with us and remind you that we do have an Instagram page where you can find us at Skeptic Disciple. That's our username. You can search Skeptic Disciple Podcast. Uh, You can use the link in our bio to access all of our links. We also have a Twitter account. Also, same username, Skeptic Disciple. We're always open to listening and hearing from you guys. I just hope that you all have a great week. Blessings, friends.